You're listening to Mount Carmel Baptist Church's weekly Sunday worship service message at 11 a.m. Mount Carmel is located in Demarest, Georgia. To learn more, visit mtcarmeldemarest.com or facebook.com forward slash mtcarmeldemarest. Thanks for listening. Romans chapter 1, verses 28 through 32. And I'm excited to preach to you this message that I've entitled... It's an abysmal title, but but hear me all out. The end of reason. The end of reason. In Plato's Republic, there is a story of a ship's crew who decided that their captain was insane. The captain was crazy. The captain took observations and points of reference along the sea by using the stars. And the crew thought that was insane and crazy. The sailors reasoned that a ship doesn't sail in the sky, it sails on the waters, the sea. And so better points of reference would be the winds. The currents and the tides, they're they're better and important points of identification for them to map out their journey. So you know what they did? They took that captain, locked him up in the hold of the vessel, and sailed on to shipwreck. When our points of reference in life are limited to ourselves, and to what we see around us in the immediate world with no reference to what is above, we court disaster as well. In today's Bible passage, the Apostle Paul is continuing to spell out the wrath of God or the righteous anger of God against everyone. And I mean you, under the sound of my voice. When we think of the wrath of God, when we conjure up images in our mind, we envision an apocalyptic scenario, which is part of God's wrath for sure. But that's not what Paul means by God's wrath. Paul views God's wrath as a simmering against everyone right now, ready to bowl over on judgment day. It all begins with every one of us knowing God by the works of His creation and being made for Him. However, we all have suppressed the truth in unrighteousness. We deep down know God and we know we ought to live better, but we don't want to change our lives, glorify, worship, and serve Him. So we do not acknowledge God. We become ungodly and ungrateful to Him. We ignore God and remove Him from our thinking, our reason. So, here's what God has done in His wrath or righteous anger. He has pushed us away from Himself. He goes, if you don't want me, fine. I will let you live your life on your terms. So He has pushed us away from Himself and his preservation of ourselves, and his preservation 
of our society. Yet, we cannot suppress our desire or design to worship or our search for the truth. But God allows us to substitute Him, the real thing, for false gods and fake truths. These idols and alternative facts bring some measure of comfort to our lives, but they ultimately, because they're created things, they're not the creator, they will always disappoint, decay, or die. We are left, what are we left with? Our passions. Our uncontrollable passions. And God gives you and I over to the control of our uncontrollable passions especially sexual desires, including homosexuality. We tend to think when we read Romans chapter 1 that homosexuality is the pinnacle of what is particularly objectionable to God. You have misread the text. Paul is not finished writing Romans chapter 1. What he goes on to spell out, what we're going to read today, listen to me, is just as serious as any sin you can ever imagine, and it is just as much an indication and manifestation of God's wrath than you can ever dream of. And all of us, I'll go ahead and let you know, and we've done all of it. You and I. Let's read just the first verse, Romans chapter 1, verse 28. And because they, that's us, did not think it worthwhile to acknowledge God, God delivered them over to a corrupt mind so that they do what is not right. The very first thing I see here in the text, and you can write this down in your notes, is we all decided against God. We all decided against God. Now, there is a play on word here in the Greek that's difficult for the English translation to pick up. And it has to do with a root word, uh, dokamazo. And it simply means to prove worthy or genuine by observation or testing. So to prove worthy by testing. And the way this is written in the Greek is that we adokamasened God. We tested God, and He proved to us to not be worth our while. He's not worth it. Everybody catch that? So we no longer acknowledge him. And here's how he works this out in his righteous justice and wrath. Because God did not prove worthy to us, he gave us over to adokamon, same root, mons, unapproved or worthless mons. The mond is the capacity to perceive and discern what is good and true. Let me put the whole idea together. We put God to the test. Did you catch that? We put God to the test. 
We sat in judgment over God. We weighed whether he should be retained as a factor in our lives and important to our way of thinking, and we found him wanting. So we decided against him. In response, God handed us a mind depraved of discernment. Since we refused to discern the righteous value of God, He left our minds deprived of discerning what is right. Ladies and gentlemen, think of it this way. If we can't see that God is right, you won't be able to see how anything is right. We said, I don't see any value in God. And God said, fine, you won't see any values. That's how this text works. Now, what Paul is not saying, he's not saying, therefore, we will be as bad as we possibly can be. Thank God in his grace, he hasn't let us go that far. What he is saying is that all of us in here, including myself, have minds that are misled and distorted, unable to discern what is the good, pleasing and perfect will of God and that issues forth in unfitting and unrighteous behavior. Paul is not saying that all people at all times in all places behave like the following in every detail. What we're saying is this, is if you do one of the things that he's about to mention, he's saying you have a depraved mind. Right? So let's look at 29 through 31. Get ready. Here's they. This is us. They are filled with all unrighteousness, evil, greed, and wickedness. They are full of envy, murder, quarrels, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, arrogant, proud, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, senseless, untrustworthy, unloving, and unmerciful. Here's the second thing that I want you to write down, and I hope you'll be able to sense this in your soul. Is number two, we all show depravity. We all show it. I am not saying that you do all these things. All it takes is to do one of these things to show a depraved mind. On the insert of your sermon notes is an inventory of two opposing minds, two opposing reasons or ways of thinking. As I go through this text and try my best to define each word, I want you to prayerfully evaluate each item and place a mental mark on the line. Now, you're free to place a physical mark, but make sure you take your uh, bulletin with you. <laughs> Not Cindy will pick it up and show it to me Monday, all right? <clears throat> and then we have to figure out, well, who is this? But place a mark in your mind where you think you may be, left or right of center. 
You may find yourself on the left on some items and to the right on others. And some of you may go, I don't, I'm not too sure. And you may just be right there in the middle. And I'm, this is not an exhaustive list. I just took some of the 20 to 21 items Paul listed. And when I get to one, just place a mark where you think you might be. Romans 1, 29, the first sentence says, They are filled with all unrighteousness. Now this word unrighteousness is the catch-all term for I believe everything that's listed. Everything he's about to spell out is all unrighteousness. And all unrighteousness means a lack of conformity to God's requirement. Alright? So if you do or commit or have any of these behaviors or attitudes, it is a lack in your conformity to what God requires of you as His creation. Okay? Now, the terms evil and wicked, they're, they're generally used interchangeably. And what I mean by that is some hold that the Greek word for evil is the active form of wrongdoing or harm. When you physically or even verbally go do something evil against God or another, and that wickedness has to do with our sinful disposition or our sinful nature. It would be the inner person who you are on the inside. Either way, whichever one leans, whichever it is that points to the outward or the inward, what is plain is that both terms denote both the inner and the outer disposition of sin and the active doing of harm and evil against others or God. The other word mentioned in this first list is greed. Greed is simply the desire to have more. You may not sit there and say, oh, I'm filled with all unrighteousness or I'm an evil or wicked person, but with gentleness and respect, you mean to tell me you've never desired to have more? <laughs> that you, you are completely and have always been completely content and grateful for what God has given you. If greed shows up in your life, you have a depraved mind. The second sentence, they are full of envy. This one does appear on your inventory. Envy is the desire for something possessed by another. Have you ever looked at what someone else had and just said, I sure wish I had that? Again, that's a lack of contentment. And, and heaven forbid, most of the times when we're envious of other people, don't we have to put them down in order to feel good about ourselves? We compare. If that's the kind of attitude or rationale you have, an indication of a depraved mind. All right? Murder is unjustifiable killing. Now, I hope no mark appears on this, okay? If not, I've got other work I've got to do this week. But I need you to know this. According to Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says, If sinful anger issues forth in calling a brother or sister moron or idiot, you have committed spiritual murder because you're defacing someone made in the image of God. So you may have never physically taken someone's life, but you can emotionally and verbally. Believe it or not, we're all thieves and murderers. Quarrels means bitter conflict. Some people like to fight. And I don't just mean physical fight. Debate. And I don't mean for the sake of good argument. I'm talking about be contentious and combative. 
That is a part of the depraved mind. Deceit is simply to mislead by lying. Have you ever told a lie? Then you have a depraved mind. Malice. Malice is to render your life miserable by bitterness of temper. Have you ever met somebody that we call ill-natured or spiteful? Like even when things are going good, they just hate life. And they hate others for enjoying their life. They're full of malice. They can't be happy, so they make other people unhappy. That's a part of a depraved mind. Then verses, the last sentence of 29, the end of it, and verse 31. They are gossips. Metaphorically, the way this works in the Greek is whisperers behind doors. Whispering what one does not wish to be heard openly. These are folks who create problems by rehashing idle talk or rumors about others' private affairs. Have you ever whispered about someone? Then you have a depraved mind. Slanderers, metaphorically, this is, this is those people who are stabbers in the back. They have no problem destroying another's reputation publicly. They're not going to whisper it. They'll shout it from the rooftops. Again, another indication of a depraved mind. God-haters, these are not those who simply ignore or neglect God, but they have an active hate toward Him and attempt to work against any influence He may exhibit on their lives, on others' lives, or in the world. Arrogance is a lofty sense of superiority out of which we treat God or others as beneath us. I'm better than that. Proud is a feeling of our own superiority which despises others and treats them with contempt. Boastful is seeking to attract admiration and, dis, uh, and by claiming advantages we do not possess to make yourself better than you actually are. Inventors of evil, those are people who spend their lives meditating on doing evil, they're schemers, or they're trying new kinds of perversions, always pushing the line. Disobedience to parents, they ignore parental authority. If you have ever disobeyed your mom and dad or have not honored them in their late age, you have a depraved mind. Senseless means we're unable to discern spiritual and moral things. Untrustworthy is not keeping one's word or doing one's duties. You can't keep your promise. That's what untrustworthy means. You're unreliable. Unloving, and this is actually a little more specific in the Greek. It has to do with the Greek word storge, which is Greek, uh, in the Greek it's our natural affections. And what he means by that is the destruction of natural tenderness between a mother and her child, a father and his family, children to their parents, people that we should go, oh, they're family, I love them. And we see that destruction, that type of love go away. That's in our society today. And it's a part of a depraved mind. 
And then last but not least is the term unmerciful. And it is the unspeakable hardness of heart to which we show no pity or compassion on people. Ladies and gentlemen, when I go through this list, the conclusion for me is I have a depraved mind. I have a mind that is not working completely on the full discernment of God. All right? Do you approve of the current condition of your mind? Can you look at your mind and go, Oh, it, I am all on the right side of this. There's no deprivation of discernment at all. I am constantly approving the good, perfect will of God and doing it. There's no way. If not, check deceit and mark it on the left. But here's a more important question. Not if you're happy with the condition of your mind. Does God approve of this state of mind? He doesn't. That's the bad news. <laughs> Look at what the next verse says, Romans 1.32. He says this, Although they know God's just sentence. Everybody knows this decree, what he's about to say. You ready? Here's what we all know in the pit of our soul. That those who practice such things deserve to die. We know we deserve death. And then he goes even further. He says, they not only do them, but even applaud others who practice them. Number three, write this down. We all deserve to die. I do not say that with joy. Do you understand all includes me? Because of the depravity of my mind, I deserve to die because we've sinned against the holy God and shut him out of our minds and life. We deserve to die. This is the first instance of the word death in Romans. Paul will go on to use it over 20 times and define it in more detail. But for now, when we just see the word die, I just want you to think of the horror that God inflicts Listen to Hebrews 10.31. It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. It is terrifying. Do you understand? We all deserve to die and all of us are in the hands of the living God. The last stage in this corruption of depravity of mind is the active encouragement and applauding in cold blood evil committed by others. Now do you see how far humanity has gone in just verse 28 to 32? In verse 38, we did not approve of God. We didn't think it worthwhile. And by the end of our depravity, we are applauding others for doing evil. Consider Michelle Williams' acceptance speech at this year's Golden Globe Awards. She talked about decisions she's made in her life that allowed her to live a life of her own making and that wouldn't have been possible without, quote, without employing a woman's right to choose. 
What she is saying is she couldn't have pursued and advanced her career without killing her child through abortion. And she said this to applause. I'm sad for Michelle Williams. She's been deceived, but the truth is this. We all have. We've all been desensitized to our sin, and we love to pick on the sins of others. This is all an indication of God's wrath against you, myself, and all of humanity. All roads, your road, leads to the judgment seat of God. And listen to me, not all roads after that lead to eternal life. Sinners are not people out there. <laughs> They're right here. And write this down in case you haven't figured it out. You are the worst sinner you know. I'm the worst sinner I know. You're the worst sinner you know. And is there a remedy for our situation? Is there a remedy for our reason? Is there any chance that in this life we might ever perceive a thought or discern something good that God would approve of? Well, church, I'm here to preach the gospel to you. <laughs> There's good news. You've got to flip it back one page. Romans chapter 1, verse 15. You've got to always remember what made Paul unleash all these arguments against humanity deserving of God's wrath. He says in verse 15, I am so eager to preach the gospel to y'all who are in Rome, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone. Everyone who has a depraved mind, God can save you from it. To the Jew first and to the Greek for the righteousness of God, God's power to make us right, is revealed from faith to faith. I've got good news for you, church. You can write it down. Only Jesus can renew your mind. He can change your mind. Seth Godin this week posted this on his blog. He just put this in quotes. He says, you ever heard... This will change your mind. He said, how often is that true? Not very. Changing a mind is difficult work. It won't happen with a standard intervention. And it probably, probably requires enrollment on the part of the person you're engaging with as well. Here's what I love. The gospel is both a supernatural intervention... When you repent of your sins and place your faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit takes residence in your mind. He has a relationship with you, and you are enrolled in the process of sanctification and discipleship. Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, and with this glorious book, he's going to teach you how to think all over again. He can renew your mind. Isn't it a wonderful promise that you don't have to live your life misled and distorted? Only seeing things in a personal light. I faced it this week to see somebody say, just be true to yourself. That's the worst thing you can possibly do. 
Jesus can renew your mind. Jesus can free your reason from the power of sinful influence and place it under the powerful influence of the pure Holy Spirit of God. And with the Holy Spirit, you can recover the capacity to discern the most excellent will of God. Do you remember how Romans 12, when he switches from theology and gets to practice what he tells us in Romans chapter 12? Just listen to this. Therefore, after all the things he says, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, in view of his goodness to us, I urge you to present or offer your bodies, your lives as a living sacrifice to God, holy and pleasing. This is true worship. And then he follows it up with this. Don't be conformed to the age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Did you see what he just said? We have the capacity. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus? You mean to tell me you could have the mind of Christ? That's what Jesus offers you. If you'll acknowledge that you're a sinner and you give your life and trust your life to Christ, He can begin to renew your mind. Pastor Kent Hughes in his sermon on Romans 1, 28 through 32, did this little thing where he reversed Paul's thoughts. And he took one of the most terrible portions of Scripture about human depravity and becomes one of the most sublime. Just listen to what he did. He's, he's not trying to distort the text. He's just saying, if Jesus can come in and renew our mind, what would Romans 1, 28 through 32 look like? Just listen. Therefore... God gave them over in their hearts to self-control and purity that their bodies might be honored among them. For they kept and cherished the truth of God and worshiped and served the Creator who is blessed forever rather than the creature. Amen? For this reason, God gave them over to pure and wholesome lives, lived with carefree ease, even in the most intimate relations, so that all received in their own person the due reward for their fidelity. And just as they saw fit to acknowledge God in all things, God gave them over to a sound mind to do those things which are proper, being filled with all righteousness, goodness, generosity, kindness, full of selflessness, life, healing, openness, kindness. They are gentle in speech, always building others up, lovers of God, respectful, humble, self-effacing, inventors of good, obedient to parents, understanding, trustworthy, loving, merciful, and as they know the ordinance of God that those who practice such things are possessors of life, they do the same and they give hearty approval to all who do likewise. Is that not a wonderful picture of the church? That's who we should be in Christ. He can renew us to that. I believe it. We all decided against God 
We all show depravity. We all deserve to die. And we experience the end of reason, an indication of God's wrath every day. But Jesus loves you. He came for you. He bled and died for you. He rose again and poured out His Holy Spirit on you so that He can renew your mind today. Thanks for listening to Mount Carmel Baptist Church's weekly Sunday worship service message. Mount Carmel is located in Demarest, Georgia. Please join us this Sunday at 11 a.m. To plan your visit, go to mtcarmeldemarest.com.